0: Welcome back to the Money Under the Mattress podcast. My name is Mitchell and my co-host is Jake. And today we'll be going over the struggles of having a large cap position, the importance of the science of hitting, as well as discuss Jake and I's new, new letters on Substack. Uh, so how are we doing today, Jake?
1: doing pretty good. Uh, it's always nice to see Bubba in the green. Um, uh, how about yourself?
0: Uh, not too bad. I um, was reading the Arlington Value Capital uh, letters the last couple of days um, of Alan Misham I think that's what his name was uh, pretty interesting letters um, also reading the history of the finance like the financial history of Berkshire Hathaway by Adam Mead another good book uh, reading that for the second time actually um, and I believe we'll be having Adam Mead on later on next month early August so it'll be interesting to talk to him about his book uh, but yeah no it's been pretty good lately. Um, I guess we'll go into our first topic of the day, um, the importance of the science of hitting, um, and talking about the no called strikes that Warren Buffett talks about. Um, so for anyone that's not, um, up to date on the science of hitting or what it is, um, the science of hitting was a book that Ted Williams wrote about, I'm not sure exactly. I haven't read the book, but I know the philosophy around, part of the book and it talks about um, there's a picture of Ted Williams and it's him sitting next to the batter's box within baseball. Uh, So Ted Williams was a baseball player for the Red Sox way back in the day. I'm not sure exactly the years or anything like that. I'm not too into depth on, on um, Red Sox history or anything like that. But the reason I'm talking about this today is Warren Buffett talked about it a few times. Um, he went over the science of hitting and the philosophy around it um, in a talk at Georgetown. Do you remember, Jake?
1: I'm not sure if it was at Georgetown, but I remember uh, like watching a video or like reading a write-up about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, Warren Buffett, talks about how in baseball there's obviously three strikes, so three strikes and you're out. Um, And so if you're a baseball player, such as Ted Williams, you can't really sit at the batter's box for too long um, before you're called out. Um, In investing, there's no so-called strikes. uh, So you can sit at the batter's box on investing and let Mr. Market um, throw pitch after pitch. um, And you can sit there as long as you want, which is probably one of the, biggest advantages to investing over any other type of uh profession in my opinion when you say jake yeah
1: i'd have to say it's just um, being able to actually sit there is another thing
0: right yeah exactly and so i mean i've seen many times and i'm guessing you have too jake is a lot of investors will sit at this um so-called batter's box um within our analogy and they're not patient enough. And so they'll start swinging at, um, you know, things that are kind of in the dirt where, or in other opinions, or another thought is of their circle of competence. Um, but going back to the whole batter's box of Ted Williams, it's 77 dots. Um, so if you guys have ever watched baseball, you might have seen a little like uh, square next to the batter. Um If you're watching on TV, if it's live, then it's obviously not going to be there. Um, And so there's 77 dots. Each is the size of a baseball. And it has Ted Williams sitting next to it. You can look it up on Google. Just look up uh, the science of hitting batter's box pitcher. Or Ted Williams 400. Yeah. Um, So Ted Williams kind of printed out where if the pitcher would throw straight down the middle, what's the percentage that he'll hit? So he had a 400. So it means that he had a 40% chance that he was going to hit compared to, you know, if you went down bottom, right on the box, then he's got a 25% chance of hitting. Um, And so if you're a pitcher, obviously you want to be throwing down bottom, right back to our analogy with investing Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, Moni Fabry, They'll sit there patiently in the batter's box and let pitch after pitch go by some of them are straight down the middle and they miss them and they're all right with that. They, they can let it float by. Um, a lot of them will be in the dirt. They still don't swing. Only when a lot of aspects line up, obviously it's in their circle of competence. It's a great price, uh, quality management, you know, anything that you'd be interested in for an investment. Once that crosses the plate, then, then they hit. Um, and it kind of, parlays into our next topic of having a large cash position and uh, the psychology behind having a large cash position. So for me personally, I have a cash position of 35% right now, which is fairly high. Um, I like to have it around probably 15% um, as I'm getting new income coming in into the portfolio from outside sources. Um, But yeah, I have a 35% cash position and a lot of people in my position would be kind of struggling with the psychological fact that you know you want to put money into investments and so they might not do as much due diligence on it the margin of safety might not be there Um, for an example I'm always looking for a margin of safety of at least 50% so I think there's the value of the stock is a dollar I want to buy it for at least 50% or 50 cents or under Um, a lot of people might be uh, impatient and see the stock worth a dollar and it's only selling for 80 or 90 cents. And they're like, you know what? I'll put a little bit of money into it because, um, I don't want to sit here with a bunch of cash and have maybe a greater risk of underperforming. Would you say, Jake?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I'd say like, um, a huge cash positions put a lot of pressure on investors mm-hmm. and, uh, we're lucky right now that, um, we get to start off and we don't really have much pressure. Um, it's not like we're running a fund or anything where we have outside, uh, investors that we have to report to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Although I don't think that would change at least how I would do things. Um, it wouldn't affect me very much, mm-hmm. but, um, it, it, definitely does. Um, or at least I've heard other fund managers talk about how there is pressure. And that's kind of the reason why Warren decided to, uh, turn into a company rather than just a partnership. So you didn't have to worry about withdrawals from investors.
0: True. I mean, they can sell out of his stock, but then that means that he's just going to buy more of it. <laughs> so it, he almost yeah. that it goes down in price. Right. Um, exactly. But yeah, like, you know, if you went to a Red Sox game, let's say, and uh, you know, I think Jackie Bradley Jr. still plays for the Red Sox. And if he sat at the plate, let's say, and there was a so-so pitcher that was throwing him really good, good strike right down the middle, uh, right where he wants it. And he didn't swing. After after a couple of balls that go by him, there's going to be a couple of hecklers in the stand saying, swing you bum, swing. Um, and so when you run a big fund like that, uh, and investing, you're going to have similar hecklers. You know, Let's say if you're an investor like you know, Bill Miller, let's say, right? If Bill Miller underperformed for a couple of years, um, maybe said that he didn't like, you know, what are the big things that have gone on? Like if he didn't like Google, Facebook, Apple, and he was kind of not really swinging on anything, then after a couple of years, then his investors will sell out. And and back to our analogy, in other words, saying swing you bum um, based on the fact that you underperformed, um, you didn't understand great businesses when they came across your plate. Um, you know, there's, there's a multitude of different things that someone would, would sell out of a fund or be kind of aggravated with their fund manager. And that's where the competitive advantage comes for me and Jake or any other personal investor. And they don't have anybody behind them saying swing, swing, swing. It's only them selves that are the ones that are saying I should be swinging. I should be swinging. And as long as you can get over that kind of hump, um, then I think that's where it makes the good investors from the bad ones.
1: I like to add something onto that. Um, so when you think of like averages, so when they talk about the 400 adding average, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: In investing, um, I've heard other investors talk about averages, batting averages on uh, stocks that they invest in. And I I got thinking, I was like, um, you could either be a low hitting percentage investor, but when you do hit one, you nail it out of the park. Or you could be a person who has a high batting average and you're consistently trucking along at a half decent return. Mm -hmm. And um, I was just thinking like, When you win, I guess you want to like, what we're looking for is some asymmetry, right? So when we hit big, we want some of the, we basically want to find an investment that has very, very low downside and a lot of upside. And I find that when you wait for a great pitch to come across a plate, you tend to be able to find more asymmetry within those pitches. Where if you're swinging at everything, you're kind of, your your, downside could be muted or even your upside's muted because you're just swinging at everything. You're not waiting for a good asymmetry bet to come along with the plate, so. I think
0: mean, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, You know, there's a lot of people. I, I've always, yeah, what do you think, Jake? This is a good question that I've read multiple times from people saying um, uh, investing is an art, investing is a science, investing is all mathematical, um, investing is all psychological. Like, what do you think investing really is?
1: Well, I want to get down to it and you want to quote like Charlie Munger and all them, all good Mm -hmm. investing is a value investing. So you're just basically buying something for less than it's worth. Um, But at the same time, there's, there's different ways to, get returns um not saying they're always going to be outsized but uh you got like uh like quantitative investing like value investing
0: but i'm saying the way that we invest hypothetically like yeah because if you do quant investing that it's all mathematical obviously uh if you're doing technical analysis then i guess you could say that's pretty well mathematical but the way that we're what, doing fundamentals based on quality of management what do you say that
1: what do you mean by that like what are you trying to ask like what's the question
0: the way that we invest, would you say it's an art, a science?
1: Oh, it's, it's, it's mathematics. All mm-hmm. It's all art because at the end of the day, you're trying to forecast the future. And, you know, like so does the weatherman and he doesn't always get it right. So that's why you need to build in a little margin of safety there so that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you tend to do well over time even if you're not right 100% of the time, which no one ever is.
0: Yeah, I mean, I see I see investing as the same what you just said is I see it as an art that's based around statistics. Um, I think it's an art because you are forecasting, like you said, but there's also everyone evaluates you on your statistics of your past performance. But then there's also mm-hmm. psychology, which we can go into the psychology of money, uh, which is a great book by Morgan Housel, uh, recommended to anybody. Um, that's what there hasn't read it yet. Um, but this is where the psychology comes in or the psychology psychological aspect comes into investing is the patience part of it and sitting on your hands, um, and doing nothing for months or possibly years or even a decade, um, for some investors, it's, it's gotta be eating up people's minds sometimes when, you know, Who's somebody that hasn't made a big bet in a while? Like, let's say before Charlie Munger uh, invested in Bubba, he was sitting oh, on his hands for. But that wouldn't have hurt. Ten him, years, I don't think.
1: That wouldn't hurt. No. Him though, mentally.
0: No, exactly. But I'm saying that comes back to the good investors from the bad investors, and it's all a psychology like psychological game. Of- at
1: the same time, there's been mm-hmm. lots of people in between that have made some really, really good investments. And you know what, Charlie Munger probably could have made some really, really good investments, but
0: could have, yeah, no, exactly.
1: It seems like he wants to go for the more, like, really in a sweet spot type of investments. And you know what, I, I know like Warren Buffett. They say like he has like a bunch of cash. And if you really get down to it, like it's not a huge percentage of the actual market cap of Berkshire, especially after, um, like the cash that should be used for like reserves for, um, the insurance part, but um. He did make it. Was it 2016? The Apple bet. That was a pretty yep. big. That was a pretty big bet that he made, and he actually hit a home run.
0: Mm-hmm. It's been
1: like 40% a year since. So, like, I don't know. Like, people say like, oh, Warren just, you know, he lost it. But like, <laughs> that Apple bet was pretty impressive to me.
0: Yeah. No, for sure. Um, buying Apple back in 2016. Um cloning Warren but Warren Buffett on that one would have been something. Uh as long as it's in your circle of competence, you got it at a decent price. Um yeah, no, that would have been unreal. Um but do you find, I mean, I could really answer this for you, but do you find that you ever get chewed up um sitting at the bottom's box and letting pitch by pitch go by? So, you know, whether it's um RH. You let our, like we, we watched uh, Restoration Hardware go by. Well, I mean, we watched Tesla go by. Um, we watched Google go by. What are some big ones that we let go by?
1: We've, we've let a lot go by. We let Lowe's go by.
0: Lowe, yeah, Lowe's was a big one that we let go by. Um, I mean, some people so would say many. Costco at 300 was was a pitch that we let go by. Um, Amazon, you know, a lot of people would let a lot of things go by based think, on based on surgical competence as well as price. But yeah you go.
1: I've let like three stocks go by this week. Yeah. Like 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 I let them go by all the time and it just doesn't bother me because I knew I really didn't know anything about it. Like like everyone has like a service knowledge of you know like a company but if I don't like know it like enough I, I never feel comfortable. Like I just I don't
0: mm. and I, and
1: I, it doesn't bother me. Like if I didn't really know it And the other person that, you know, I've kind of seen the idea from knew it good for them. Right. So like you see like these FinTwit, like someone's like, Oh, like they'll like do a little quick rundown of like a a stock they're investing in. Mm -hmm. And like, from what they've said, obviously it's compelling because if they're going to invest into that company, they're not going to go on a Twitter and say, I'm booked to invest in a bad company for these reasons. They're going to put the very best reasons why you should invest in that company as well. And don't get me wrong there's a lot of people that put out really really good stuff on companies i'm not talking about yeah. twitter or twitter i'm saying every once in a while you'll have one come along and you'll be like wow this is really really good and then you do a little bit of digging and you come by and you're like the stuff that he said that like wasn't you know doesn't line up but then again there's other a couple
0: it, right other it was incorrect information that he, they might have gotten from like a third-party source right so yeah. it might have been someone writing about the annual report, taking information from that, putting it in their own words. And then them it's like the gain of telephone. If you're played as a kid, you know, if you have a circle of 20 kids in your class, um, one of them says one word in 95% of the time, it's not going to be the exact same word that comes around similar to trying to get your information directly from the companies in the annual report, as well as understanding the annual reports too. But yeah, if you're getting your information for your write-up, for an example, if it was on a substack that you read or from Twitter itself, and you are writing information based on that and then not doing the correct due diligence and making sure that those numbers or statistics are correct, then that's where, you, that, that's where it goes back to the point that you talked about is how some things can be just totally incorrect and they not even know it.
1: Lately, um, like the most... See, um, there's been a couple investments or investors that I've been impressed with lately, but the one that like lately really, really impressed me was Boston Omaha's management team on their investment yes. in Dreamfinders Homes. They, like they, they, what was it, 10 or 11? They're 11x in three years. Or uh, the end of 2017, early 2018, they put 10 million and now they have like 114 million in Dreamfinders Homes.
0: Yeah, no, it's like, I, the whole bet around Boston Omaha was they were getting a quality management as well as we were getting a pretty decent price for the company as bet if there was no, but we bet on the jockey for the long term, because if it wasn't quality management, we would have sold out when it tripled and yeah. so we, we would have gotten a steal of a deal. Right. Um, yeah. for letting just a regular holding company, but time and time again, I mean, if you look back to their, yeah, their investment in dream finder homes um they had like an initial investment they they've almost already 10xed on that investment since they was the initial investment in 2017 Dream Finders 10 million dollars no
1: they did I, I said that they did they 11xed
0: yeah it's like 11, okay sorry sorry yeah ended right, end of 2017
1: that, early 2018 they 11 yeah. x instead
0: and no it's i mean they've done a couple other uh deals with Dream Finders throughout that but they they've, they've 11xed it um bought it when it was private and then it it went public and, and now, they also and they also bought bought a lot of shares at $13 a share when it did go public um now yeah
1: and now they have um they're doing fiber to the home um so like one of their uh subsidiaries is a uh a broadband company and mm. uh they're, they're they're in the works of partnering with dream fighters homes to put fiber to the home in each of their new homes going forward, which would be huge. That's yeah. that's my opinion. I th- I think it's going to be huge.
0: Yeah, um, we'll have to do a deep dive on on, on the podcast of Boston Omaha sometime here soon. Um, yeah, going back to just staying patient. Um, for example, at the time of the initial investment in Alibaba, like I mean, nowadays I have a pretty big bet in Alibaba. Um, if anybody follows me on Twitter at Mitch Jensen underscore. I I believe I came up with my portfolio update July 1st. And I think I have like a 32% position at the time. Um, That's what my Alibaba position was. And so I was sitting at the plate. I let a bunch of stuff slide by, didn't let it phase me. And I just kept looking at what Mr. Mark was going to throw me next. And Mr. Market threw me Alibaba and It was in my circle of competence as well as a multitude of other things, quality management, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I swung at it and hopefully it works out. Same with you too, Jake, right?
1: Um, I think, yeah. I I don't like talking too much about Alibaba just because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of opinions out there and I don't think I can really add much value to what's already yeah. out there. Um, But one thing just going I will back say- to,
0: Just going through like your uh, like uh psychology of it, just letting it, just hitting on it, I guess.
1: Well, one, the... one thing I will say about the company is everyone thinks it deserves a China discount. I don't think so. I I think you're going to see <laughs> their clouds really going to ramp up and for an example if you look at aws over the last few years and how profitable they become you might see some some similar characteristics going forward with alibaba so
0: which tying back to our analogy of letting it slide by um you saw the the, the ball that was thrown from mr mark it was almost it was almost glowing for you eh
1: i uh i remember um I had been what's funny is I'd been investing around the same time that the Munger 13F came out. So even mm-hmm. before that his 13F came out. And then once I seen he he got into it, I was I was really excited. Um, I, I tried not to get too excited though. I didn't want to influence me too much. But uh, yeah. and then we seen Manish get out or come out and I was like, Wow, like that's amazing. And then Greg Greg Alexander came out. I yeah, it like, is it oh, is man. hard to <laughs> not, that
0: the, not allow them to influence you at all. I mean, I was yeah. talking to a guy the other day and I was explaining I was asking the difference between their analysis with Alibaba and Tencent. What's what's their stronger conviction? Um, which one and why? And they said, like, and I'm not and I'm not even too far off either on this one too. Like I'm um I've been known to do this and feel this too, but he had a stronger conviction Alibaba just based on the fact of the amount of super investors that were in it, um, compared to Tencent. Uh, I'm not sure who the biggest super investor is that, inv- that invests in Tencent. Do you know off the top of your head, Jake? Uh,
1: I think. Isn't Ray Dalio in Bubba and Tencent? Or is he just in? I can't remember. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I'm I'm sure. I have no clue who's really in Tencent, but I know there's a lot of people in Bubba. And so he said that's why he has a stronger conviction, but he has a very similar conviction if it wasn't for the super investors. Um, I so think it's, hard to, it's hard to not let you. What's oh, that? Sorry.
1: I think Tencent's still a pretty interesting business. Um, yeah. Especially how uh Monish talks about um looking through the Naspers and Process lens.
0: Yeah. But I do think the, as well as soft for Bubba.
1: Yeah, I, I think that um I'd rather just buy Bubba though. Mm. I've 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 kind of peeked into that and it doesn't interest me. I, I think the whole the whole share, like I guess.
0: You're the, the share deal. Up. Yeah. Basically
1: the whole share deal with process and that threw me off and I just didn't want to put enough time and energy into figuring out what would the outcome be after it all was done and like mm-hmm. how it's going to affect going forward. I just said, no, not worth my time. Move on to the next thing.
0: Yep. And that, that happens all the time. You know, you open up 10 K, you don't, you're not interested in it. It's too much rambling going on within the 10 K or you just don't want it even touch it and then it's like okay why, why would I you know it's
1: probably a mistake but I'm okay with making it
0: yep no exactly and it just goes back to the analogy that I keep on hitting home is just letting the 10 cent or at least maybe not the 10 cent <laughs> but at least the, at least the soft the soft bank let that ball just slide right by that and it's probably straight down the middle for me probably is um but I'm a lot I'm I'm smiling um I hope everyone that's investing Tencent, or at least SoftBank, sorry. Um not Tencent, uh Softbank, um, you know, does great on the investment, but just not something I'm too interested in right now. Um is there much more you want to touch on uh, j- about just being patient? Um and not, I guess, um I like feeling that. like you need that you need to make an investment on a so-so business or a so-so investment, whether it's a good business, but it's fairly cheap, like fairly expensive. Um, Just being patient through that.
1: I'd like to say that, you know, cash gives you optionality. So you're, you're able to do things where if you didn't have cash, you wouldn't be able to do things. Um, Mm. I don't think you should have like a crazy amount of cash uh, because cash drag is real. Um, But I do think, though, some cash is always good in the portfolio, especially, you know, the market's definitely not cheap. I'm not saying that it's in a bubble, but it's definitely not cheap. Uh, There's certain stocks within the market that I could definitely say are probably good buys, um, Bubba being one of them, in my opinion. Do your own due diligence, though. But um, I really do think that cash is a good thing, especially –
0: in today's market. Yes, I'd have to agree on that one. Obviously, um, cash drag is a thing; it's a real thing, and uh, cash drag does hang on your shoulders quite heavily, puts a lot of strain on them. Um, but you know, if there's not a good idea out there, then you're going to have to carry that weight of the cash. Um, that's that's the whole concept of struggles of having a cash position. Because obviously we're not talking about like, Oh, I'm struggling. Like uh, what do I do with all my money? Blah, 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 blah. We're not talking about that. We're talking about struggles, like the psychological, like psychological aspect of it. Um, it's all a mind game. It's all based Definitely. on emotions. Um, and it's just a Defin- big stressor. Was that sorry?
1: Definitely a first class problem to have, to have all the cash you have right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're, we're joking on that one, obviously. Um, but no, it's uh, you know, it's one of those things that it's it's just all a mind game, and it's very stressful. Like I am, to be honest, maybe a little not stressed on, on it. obviously, of that, but I would like to swing at something soon. But I have yeah, been you can like, swing at. <laughs> yeah, just buy one, <laughs> but. But no, um, you know, I've swung, swung big this year and that's about it um, on that topic. Um, I guess we can go into our Substacks. Do you want to discuss a little bit about that, Jake?
1: I think you should go first because you already have
0: one. Okay. Um, so anybody that's new to Substack, I mean, we're very new to it. Um, mm-hmm. you, I think if you're in the Fintwick space, like community that you know a little bit more about it than most people would. Um, So Substack is just a website for authors to write newsletters on um, or like little journals or blogs, whatever it might be. Um, There's email services that you just like subscribe to like their email as well as like an actual subscription that you give them money um, like you're a paid subscriber of. Um, For me and Jake, I mean, I believe so, right, Jake? Yours is free.
1: Yeah, once I uh, launch mine, it'll be free for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah so i've launched mine and jake's soon to be launching his um, both of them are free uh, feel free to um, subscribe to them join our email list um yes yeah, so or our newsletter my newsletter will cover uh the latest one i just had an introduction and i went over my portfolio uh, so my five holdings um if you're listening to this right now uh, go check it out there's not much I to have say sex. Six holdings?
1: Uh, did you include cash in
0: that? Yeah, I had I had cash, but I never really talked about why. No, I guess this is why I have cash. So you have uh, five
1: or six six holdings with cash?
0: Five holdings plus cash.
1: So six six holdings then? Yeah. I, I consider cash a holding.
0: I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I, I can understand that. I don't go into detail about cash. I I go into detail about the five companies or four of the five companies, um, and then I'll have um, an actual write up on that fifth company. Uh, If you want to, so if you go look at it, you'll be able to understand what I'm talking about. Um, Next week, so next Monday, I'm not sure exactly what day that would be. Do you know what day next Monday is?
1: I think it would be the 18th, is it? No, 19th.
0: 19th, okay. So Monday, July 19th, is when I'd be releasing uh, my actual write up on Boston Omaha, where I do a deep dive on them. Uh, I'll talk through the management, uh, discuss my concerns with the company. I'll go through a couple of the case studies. So through, I'll explain like uh, the DFH, um, like DreamFinders Home acquisition or investment, sorry, Uh, talk a couple acquisitions, talk about the broadband business, um, talk about Link Media Outdoors, the billboard company, Um, just go through the whole business. um, So if you're interested in that make sure to subscribe Uh, there will be a link down below uh, to our podcast, as well as if you're interested um, in signing up, you can just also email me at Mitch 15. That's one five Jensen, J E N S E N at gmail.com. Or you can just DM me on Twitter at Mitch Jensen underscore. Um, I'd love to have you. Uh, Do you want to talk about yours, Jake?
1: Yeah, I think it will be pretty similar. Um, I'll just be putting out investing content. Um, I might do an introduction uh, like Mitch did, but I might not as well because uh, our introduction will be pretty similar. Uh, My portfolio is a bit different than Mitch's, but there's a lot of correlation there. Um, I think I said on one of the last podcasts, I think we have like an 85% or so correlation in Mm -hmm. our uh, portfolios. Um, I'll also be going into like companies I own or companies that I find interesting. Yeah, it won't be, it'll it'll primarily be just about value investing, I guess you could say, business analysis and stuff. So uh, I don't have a name for it yet, but once I do make it, I'll I'll show it on the podcast.
0: Yeah. Um, Do you have a link to it at all right now? No, not yet. Okay. All right. So we'll we'll show it out when the time does come. Um, And for sure, I'm going to definitely subscribe to it and read up everything. Uh, and we might go into like maybe discussion when it's just a uh, podcast with me and you want it, we might have a little segment talking about what our latest post was. Um, I think that might yeah. be interesting. Um, I guess we'll talk about our fourth thing and it was kind of talking, um, about what's like the, what's upcoming for our podcast. Um, if you're a listener, you've probably noticed that we've had a couple more guests on from the Twitter community. Um, I think we've had five guests on now, but within the latest four episodes, we've had three. Um, we we really enjoy having a lot of guests on. I'm not sure what you guys think, um, but we definitely learn a lot from them. Um, this Thursday, so right now we're recording Tuesday. This Thursday, the 15th, we will be talking to Jason Greenwald um, of Greenwald Capital on Twitter. Uh, he's a real estate guy. He's bought, I believe, up, words, or more than 500 properties. He owns um, more than 10 properties right now. Uh, He's got a super interesting story. And he started investing in 2008 at the height of the financial crisis. Um, So we're really excited to talk to him. He's also a good friend to um, Singe Stock Poppy, uh, as well as a couple of other guys that we've had on the podcast beforehand. And um, I talked to him last week, and he's just a great guy. So it should be uh, an unreal podcast. So stay tuned for that one forward to it as well yeah and then uh, we have investing with tom on so if anybody that's familiar with investing with tom uh he's got one of the biggest value investing podcasts i'd say on youtube right now um i think i watched every every video or maybe at least 90 percent of the videos um he's got a good lot of good stuff um just about Prabri. uh talks about guy spear goes through warren buffett um, he goes through a lot of Alibaba stuff. He talks a lot about Sarah growth properties. So if you have a similar portfolio, I definitely go check him out. Um, we have him the following day. So we have him Friday. Um, he's got 25,000 subscribers on YouTube. Um, 1.27, yeah, 27,000 now. Yeah. 27. Uh, 1.4 million views on YouTube. So he's, he's pretty well known and we're excited to have him on somebody that's from the YouTube space. Um, and yeah, we're just excited to have him on. Is there anything else that you want to add today, Jake?
1: No, I'm really looking forward to this week though.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a great week. Uh, we're going to have some great guests on. Uh, and then after investing with Tom on Friday, uh, the following week, we should have a Q&A. Um, so if you're interested in asking us a question, uh, you can reach out at moneyunderthemattress.podcast at gmail.com uh, or you can um, DM Does us on Twitter. I'll uh, say mine, Mitch Jensen underscore. And then what's yours, Jake?
1: I believe it is. I just want to make sure it's correct. Um, at invest condensely.
0: Perfect. So you can just DM us there and uh, we'll make a post about it also. Um, so yeah, uh, great. Thanks for listening to uh, today's podcast and uh, look forward to those three podcasts coming up. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Money Under the Mattress. If you have any questions about this episode, you can email us at moneyunderthemattress.podcast at gmail.com. Everything discussed in this podcast is our opinion and should not be used as investment advice. This podcast is for your entertainment and education purposes only, and we hope that you enjoyed it.